Hi, everyone. Welcome to the December 24th, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Duzidi. Thank you so much for joining us. As you can tell, we are full of Christmas cheer. First of all, Merry Christmas to everyone celebrating. And we are decked out in our favorite holiday sweaters, ready to give our 2021 year in review. And as we always do, we start out with a word of the year. Uh, so, Patty Calhoun from Westbury, we'll start with you. If you had to encapsulate 2021 and the be- beautiful majesty it was in one word or phrase, what would you use? Limbo. I just feel like we've been in limbo or Biden time. <laughs> Biden time. Ah, a twofer there. That's very nice. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Your one word or phrase for 2021. Decay of Denver, our, our democracy, public safety, and the connection between public discourse and reality. Rolling with the cheerful theme, we go to Eric Sonderman for uh, political uh, political analyst and uh, columnist for all over the city, the, the Gazette newspapers, Colorado politics, at a paper near you. Uh, Eric, your word or phrase for 2021? My thought process is similar to David. The word is different. Ill. Three letters. I-L-L. What David said uh, from January 6th, obviously the pandemic and the disease, our political process, our political dialogue. And rounding out the panel, full of Christmas cheer, our own Penfield Tate, a longtime state lawmaker and an attorney with Tate Law. Pen, your word or phrase for 2021? Well, Christmas cheer isn't going to continue, so um, my word is messy. Everything's a hot mess um, between our relationships with one another, government, how our city looks. It's just everything's messy. Well, let's get to it. The second year of living with a pandemic in Colorado looked far different than our first year with it. Early in the year, we were talking about who was eligible for the vaccine. In the summer, Governor Polis lifted his executive emergency orders. And with that, statewide mask mandates. That move brought mandate fights to county health departments, governments, and school boards, which included lawsuits and divisive and boisterous board meetings throughout the fall. Patty, we start with you. Uh, we knew we were going to be living with COVID, but it took very different forms in Colorado in 21. Your thoughts? Well, certainly in 20, we never thought it would last as long as it was going to. And in 21, we absolutely didn't think it was going to last as long as it has. At this time last year, we were just beginning to hear about beta. And you may recall that they found it first in this country in uh, down in Elbert County. So it's just been a strange time. Also at this time last year, we were all fighting like who would get in vaccine lines first. You were strategizing how you were going to go get your vaccination we didn't actually realize how many people were not going to be interested in getting vaccinations, which is why we're probably now in the position where we are going into another year with COVID still spreading. The numbers have gotten a little better towards the end of December, but we're going to have the holiday spread probably again in January. Let's hope we don't have to buckle down anymore. Um, it's been great that businesses have been able to conduct businesses, business as much as they have, that restaurants have been open that business, uh, you wear a mask in some counties, you don't wear a mask in other counties, but people are beginning to kind of get with the program. David, it seems the early part of 21, we were talking about vaccine effectiveness rates, and by the end of 21, we were talking about mask mandate effectiveness rates. Uh, You look at the spectrum of 21, uh, specifically when it comes to COVID, your thoughts? Well, we've seen something that you can see throughout human history, which is Sometimes there are centrally planned things which work very well. One of those was Operation Warp Speed with Vice President Pence in charge. And despite all the the doubts and the the skeptics, uh, they got a vaccine uh, 
invented and distributed quite quickly, way faster than people thought it could be done. However, vaccines are rarely 100% effective. And that, that's all of the different kinds of, of vaccines you take. Uh, there's very few that give you 100% lifetime immunity. And that's also true for these quickly invented uh, vaccines against a virus which, which keeps on mutating, even in places like Israel and Gibraltar, uh, where they have extremely high, you know, close to 100% uh, vaccination rates. They still had lots uh, going through a fifth wave now uh, recently in Israel. And we also see that when you have a crisis, there are people who want to be central planners and assume quasi-dictatorial powers and never want to give those up and, in a way, have an interest in keeping the, the crisis prolonged. And even after the crisis ends, you don't get a lot of your freedom back. We saw that after World War I, World War II, the Cold War, uh, September 11th, and there are a lot of people who want to use this for the same purpose. Eric, it also seems that 21 brought um, viewpoints on the crisis of either it is as serious as the bubonic plague, so I'm going to be locked down in my house forever, or it's nothing and I can do anything I wanted. And it felt reality was somewhere in between, but reality was probably something that we had to deal with but not really talk about <laughs> throughout 21. As you look at uh, COVID's effects in Colorado uh, and the news that we talked about at this table, uh, what's on your mind? Well, your question is a great uh, intro to where I wanted to go with this, because I think the real news is in our reaction, both individually and as a society, as a globe, uh, as much as it is in the disease itself. Patty did a wonderful summary of where we were a year ago vis-a-vis -vis this pandemic versus where we are uh, close to 12 months later. Uh, but the, the news is in the reaction and the polarization and the politicization uh, of the reaction. Uh, my read of history is a little bit different than David's. Yes, I understand this uh, notion of tyranny and powers once acquired are never given up. That is not my necessarily my read of public health emergencies. That's not my read of what happened in the pandemic, the, the, the great Spanish flu epidemic of 100 years ago. Uh, so I think sometimes that concern uh, can be overwrought. I was listening to public radio yesterday, I can't remember the exact program, but somebody, expert in the field, said that by the end of next year, because I, I really do think we will be talking about this in our year-end show a year from now as well, sadly, uh, but that by the end of next year you'll be able to divide the world into three segments. Uh, those who are vaccinated is one, those who have had and recovered from COVID-19, whatever variant is two, and those who have passed away are number three. I think that's the world we live in. Uh, Penn, there are a lot of ramifications we're looking at this. When you look at how things happened in Colorado, it became a very political issue. And now we have people who've been elected who ran on basically a COVID-based, um, with a mask mandates or anything else. Now, we'll, we'll get into much more politics the rest of the show, but you look at the other ramifications in Colorado on this issue, uh, what do you think? You know, I, I think Eric raises a good point, and David also. While I disagree with what the prior administration did with Operation Warp Speed, what they brought about at Warp Speed, was the political dynamic and controversy that has us divided as a country and the world divided now. It's ironic that you work on a vaccine and then tell people you shouldn't take the vaccine and you don't need to wear a mask, and people are dropping like flies. And so we've got this ongoing debate 
um, about whether to stay safe and follow the science. Then we've got the false narrative and the alternative facts that says all the scientists are liars, don't believe any of them anyway, just run around and ingest bleach and take animal vaccines and other stuff. And, and, and I heard one guy said, just let Mother Nature do its course. Just go ahead and get infected, and if you die, oh, well, you die. If your neighbor lives, that's fine. Um, it's a mess. And Eric's right, we're going to be talking about this next year and the year after and the year after. Looking at the political headlines of 2021, the results of the first-ever Independent Redistricting Commission drew the official lines of Colorado's newest congressional district, CD8. But the commission kept most of the other seven districts similar to their old shape. The off-year election was highlighted by a, high, by a number of high-profile and well-funded school board races across the state, ballot issues that failed statewide, and a mixed bag of results for the lengthy Denver ballot. Uh, David, as we look at the commission, it was the first time it was fully employed. How did it do? It, it did great. It followed the constitutional mandate that the voters put in in 2018 uh, to keep communities together, try not to break up county lines, city lines, don't have these odd salamander-like shapes, which is where the word gerrymander comes from, and to the extent possible, uh, have competitive districts, and the new district is in, indeed a competitive one. It's a huge improvement from previous reform efforts we've had in Colorado where they did have some kind of other commission with a different composition that would decide the maps, but it, those always ultimately came down to the appointees put in by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and since Colorado's had mostly Democratic governors, we had Democratic tilted commissions, which is how the state legislature that we had starting in 2012 through the current ele the last election, the Colorado House was the second most gerrymandered legislative body in the United States. So, so great for our constitutional reform efforts. And on all the, the school board measures, it's, the great thing is win or lose, we see what a vibrant democracy in many ways we still have in Colorado and nationally. People vote for their school boards. They vote for their district attorneys. They vote for their sheriffs and lots of other local issues. They vote for their taxes and their spending and on lots of other ballot questions. So in a practical grassroots level, the United States is still by far one of the most democratic countries in the world. Taking that as a segue, Eric, the, the school board races... Um, I think if you ask people 10, 15 years ago who was the your representative in the school board, people would be pretty hard-pressed. Even our very smart uh, audience here in Colorado Inside, that would be hard-pressed to name who they were. It became a lot, a very high profile this year, and I know the pandemic had a lot to do with it. Do you think it keeps the heat for future school board races? Will the money be back for uh, the races that we saw millions of dollars come into in 2021? Yeah, this has been building for some time. This was It, it reached somewhat of a culmination. Uh, this past year, but it, it, it was not a new phenomenon. Uh, and schools have become politicized just like and polarized, uh, and school educational policy has, just like so many other factors of our society. Um, so that is not going away, and it's not just a pandemic. It's racial issues. It's political correctness issues. It's a whole panoply of issues. Uh, I wish I could be quite as sanguine as David is about the state of our democracy. Yes, I would uh, compare it favorably to many other countries around the world are flirting with autocracy in various forms, but we had our own flirtation with autocracy in this country uh, at the start of this past year. 
and it's continued on. Uh, our, our democracy is in danger, it is in jeopardy, and it is not in a healthy shape for a whole host of reasons time doesn't allow me to go into. Real quickly on redistricting, I'm not sure I'd use great as my description like David did, but I'd use, I'd use good or well or, or so, you know, a, a, a positive term, particularly in comparison to so many other countries, I mean, excuse me, so many other states around this country that you're looking at that are going through this process right now. Ohio is a mess. North Carolina is a mess. You can go on. And the gerrymandering by either party, whichever party controls the, the levers of government, is, is just appalling. I would have loved to see more districts in this state. I would have loved to see competitiveness be even a higher value and a higher priority than it was. Yes, the 8th district is competitive. When a Perlmutter retires, the 7th could be competitive. But I happen to think what ails our country is the polarization and that having competitive districts is probably even a higher value than necessarily communities of interest or racial and ethnic considerations, etc. Obviously, they were governed by the constitutional amendment and had to bring some of those other factors into play. I would have liked even more competitive districts than we ended up with. Penn, as a former state lawmaker, you knew exactly how we did it uh, many years ago, and you've seen how it happened now. Your thoughts on how it evolved? You know, I, I was opposed to the measures that changed and brought about this independent commission. Uh, I also wouldn't use the word great. Uh, they did an okay job, and prior commissions did an okay job. Um, we don't have quite um, the effort to gerrymander here that you see in other states that, that Eric described. And, and contrary to popular opinion, this was a political process also. You had people from different political affiliations serving on this commission also. So it wasn't as if we waved a wand and took all partisanship out of the process. That didn't happen. Um, and there's, there's something else about competitiveness. And I hear people often talk about we need to make this district competitive, that district competitive. I think what's more important is that your districts and your areas reflect the constituency and the people who live there. So, you know, when I served, you couldn't make a competitive district out of Colorado Springs, and I would argue that's okay, because a lot of the people who lived there thought the same, had similar views and values, so why shouldn't they have the ability to elect someone to the legislature who reflected that point of view? Uh, sometimes I think we're too obsessed with that, and th maybe that's the partisan nature of things, but there's nothing wrong with different viewpoints having people elected who can advocate for those points of view. Petty, seeing how school board meetings went in late 21, are you requiring that future Westward reporters have experience in covering hand-to-hand -hand combat before they go cover school board meetings? Well, I can tell you everyone is very happy that they now put most of those meetings on Zoom. That is one of the great benefits of the pandemic, that you don't have to go participate in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Personally, you can watch it over your computer screen. I want to say... Uh, Thanks to all the people who've worked in elections and the county clerks who had such a tough, tough year um, after the November 2020 election and all the aspersions that were cast on that. It's a thankless task, and we saw it still coming up, that people are suspicious of them and that they've gotten threats. So thanks to all of them who ran these November elections, and that went fairly smoothly. Thanks to the Denver voters who actually can differentiate on certain issues. We saw the arena go down at the National Western. 
We'll see it come back in some form, I'm sure. But you could see that voters were really thinking about things. And we're going to have a wild time, I think, in the 8th, as you see how eager some people are to move up, to move out. And will it be competitive? I think that'll be a pretty competitive race. I've got to agree with Penn. It's almost impossible to create truly competitive districts around parts of this state just because of the way the state is set up by uh, demography and everything else. Sadly, violence in various forms made headlines in Colorado throughout 2021. Ten people were killed in a mass shooting at a King Supers in Boulder, and fatalities in another shooting in Old Town, Arvada, included a police officer and the hero who intervened, taking out the shooter. Later in the year, several incidents of gun violence happened in Aurora, and with the latest events, including several teens near schools. And overall, violent crime rates have risen throughout the metro area. Eric, we start with you on this one. Lots of different angles, but I guess I was saddened by how much of this this year over violence in whatever forms honestly became routine but wasn't shocking no one was like oh my gosh it was like okay well this this we we learned the facts of this one and then we move on we the the community seemed to move on a little too quickly for my taste but that's it is what it is your thoughts well said dominic yeah i think we all are somewhat anesthetized these days and do move on too quickly and I think the number of the incidents you mentioned, the, the Boulder King Supers, uh, the Arvada, the stuff more recently in Aurora, et cetera, they were the shocking incidents. Even if we moved on quicker than we might have years ago, they stayed with us. They were shocking. But I think the bigger story is really just the increase in crime more generally. Within the past week or two as this runs, there was a report released by two former district attorneys, bipartisan, George Brockler, Republican out in the Arapahoe, Douglas County Judicial District, and Mitch Morrissey, the longtime Denver district attorney, pointing to the rise in crime and how crime, both violent crime and property crime, has been spiking in Colorado much more, in a much more pronounced manner than it has on a national level. I don't know if we have a full analysis of why that is. The authors of that study, Brockler and Morrissey, certainly point to personal recognizance bonds as being a contributing factor. Uh, incarceration rates are going down, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, crime more generally is a sleeper issue that is out there and is going to be at play in these 2022 elections. And there isn't uh, a one-size-fits-all magic wand we can wave to solve crime, whether it be a violent crime or shootings or any, anything in between. But did we see enough reaction from elected leaders um, over this year from what happened? I don't think we've seen enough, but I think we're going to see more. You know, it's kind of interesting. I think for Colorado, um, my, my sort of guide point is Columbine. And frankly, if you think about it, you look at Columbine in the late 90s and it's, it hasn't stopped. Um, we're always talking about school shootings. We're also talk, always talking about mass shootings. We've got a society that's addicted to, to guns and weapons, um, and people don't just keep them in their homes. They take them out into to the atmosphere, and, and, you know, the party starts then. And, and as a society, we've, we've got to do something to deal with that, whether it's dealing with the new ghost gun phenomena that Denver's been talking about or some other things. We're going to continue to be shocked um, and impacted by these incidents. I don't care if you talk about this person's mentally ill, this person's got another issue. Um, you know, we just saw a, a kid get acquitted for taking an assault rifle and sitting down in the middle of the street and gunning down people during a protest and calling it self-defense. And now he's on 
the public TV talk show circuit talking about how he was just defending himself. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, so, no, more needs to be done, and we need to see more people react to this. We've got to get our arms around this. And just a quick aside there, the, the cable TV circuit, the public TV right. circuit, doesn't mean the right. right. <laughs> an, an important correction. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank no problem. You. Yes. It's okay. Um, Patty, the, your, your reaction to how the communities reacted uh, to all the different forms of violence we've seen this year? Well, I think the random single shooter, for whatever reason, mentally ill, um, or not single shooter in the case of Columbine, we're looking at two different kinds of crimes, but they're still so baffling. To hear about the Boulder shooting again, after we'd had the Aurora Theater shooting, and after Columbine, that you could have these massive, massive tragedies created by one or two They've got to be sick at some level, individuals. So that's a horrifying thing. But then you go to Aurora, for example, and Aurora has not had a very good year. And Mayor Kaufman has just had a uh, panel on what to do about this teenage violence, the shooters. But when you had shootings in two, right outside two different schools, drive-by gang shootings, which is a very different thing from the single shooter, but both of the problems are so hard to solve. People are talking parents being involved, access to guns, whatever. There are going to be many different attempts to solve it. David, lots of different angles. Uh, your thoughts on what we see in 2021? Well, it's helpful to, to speak about things with clear language to start to get to solutions. So when with words like incidents of gun violence happened, that's sort of like saying that what happened in Waukesha was an incidence of, of car violence. Yes, the car or the automobile or the, or the, the gun was used, and we are a country that is been addicted to guns as long as we've been a country and long before that, and also addicted to cars. Very extremely high per capita rates of ownership of both of those and, and in constant use, 99.9% plus law-abiding and responsible, and then terrible crimes committed sometimes with them. But putting aside cars and guns, huge amounts of other crime going up, going way up in Colorado. We are, as a country and as a state, reverting to the super high crime levels we had in the 1990s and thought that that was all behind us. One part of the problem is the increasing sense of criminal impunity. As the peace of police have been demoralized and have pulled back after being viciously and unfairly demonized throughout 2020, uh, and as the jails and the prisons get emptied out by people who say we, we shouldn't we should have a society where we don't need prisons and jails. That's true. But that's like saying we don't need hospitals. Uh, it would be great if we didn't need hospitals because everybody lived a healthy lifestyle. But you don't shut down the hospitals or the jails until you have addressed the root causes so well that they're not necessary in the first place. Unsurprising for a year in wrap-up show, we were pretty chatty, so we're going to go to uh, what is usually our easiest time for a regular show, but a little bit harder when you're looking at an entire year, your disgrace of the year. And as always, we start with Ms. Calhoun, your disgrace of 2021. It's impossible to ignore what happened January 6th at the Capitol, and not just the insurrection itself, but how it has influenced everything else through the year, how you see people going to their corners immediately, the people who thought it was just tourists wandering through, as opposed to those who saw it as a severe challenge to democracy. You have the doubters on the election. We are still here are hearing that people think Trump won the election, when clearly there has been no evidence of any kind of fraud that would show that's true. So the fact that we are going into 2022, with more of this discussion going on, we'll see more of it as the election comes up. That has been disgraceful this year. 
David, your disgrace for 2021. The, the Trump election hoax, and which now I think this guy has actually maybe sincerely talked himself into. And if you think Joe Biden's got trouble putting three sentences together, which is true sometimes, uh, the mental state of Donald Trump, who thinks he actually won the election, uh, is nothing to brag about. This hoax put the, the U.S. Senate into Democratic hands. So if you're a Republican and you don't like what the Congress is doing, it's Donald Trump's fault uh, that it's being done. This is a guy who's never put anything else ahead of himself. He's not the Republican Party and not the good of the United States. He's only about making Donald Trump great again and not about patriotically making America great. Eric, your disgrace of the year. Well, my disgrace uh, are Patty and David for stealing what I was going to say. (laughs) But uh, I think that issue trumps, excuse the pun, all other issues that we're dealing with this year. And I will touch it as well. Uh, The denialism that is being fomented by our former president on a daily, sometimes hourly basis, the insurrection itself and that whole scene in Washington on January 6th is one we'll never wipe from our minds and our memory and our collective memory. Uh, The notion that two-thirds of Republicans, per some recent polls, believe Trump and believe that election was stolen That is a scary descent into just crazy land where the ties that bind us together are becoming increasingly tenuous. That's the disgrace. Penn. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Um, And I'll just (laughs) add. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What happened on January 6th was something we've never seen before and hopefully we'll never see again. But Patty's right and everybody's right. It cast a pall on our entire society. But it went further than that. It cast a pall on the world. The world looked at us and said, if America is doing this, what hope do the rest of us have? Um, I could use some other words that would get a bunch of bleeps and blonks, so I won't (laughs) use them. But we've kind of gone nuts here, folks. And it it started with with January 6th. And we've got to... We've got to come together as a society and community and remember that this country was sort of founded on the concept and principle that people working collectively could do good things and more good things than they could with a bunch of individuals running around doing stuff separately. We've got to get back to that principle core concept again. With less than a minute left, let's end this uh, year, look back at 21, with something nice about the year. It might be tough, but let's give it a shot. Bumper sticker edition, Patty. I think people have also, on a personal level, behaved pretty well. Random acts of kindness for neighbors. Let's push that in the new year. David. People on the right and on the left who have courageously stood up against the mobs and and told the truth as they see it. Uh, Among them, Brian Kemp, Lynn Cheney, uh, Barry Weiss, and Glenn Greenwald. Eric. A good list. It could go on. The viewers of this program, my readers of my column, readers of other information, anyone out there who tries to stay informed and tries to stay balanced and get out of their political silo. Penn. I agree with everything again, but just when I was losing hope, the people of Colorado set another record on Colorado Gives Day um, to, to, to show their generosity. A new record of $54.4 million donated to charities and organizations around the state. Patty's right. We are trying to take care of one another. We just have a whole lot more work to do. 
here. And despite this not being a year, uh, a banner year for good news, I do want to thank all of you who continue to watch and support Colorado Inside Out. We consider it a privilege to join you in your living rooms every Friday, especially on a Christmas Eve, or maybe it's on your tablets on Saturday afternoon. Whatever it is, you make what we do possible. And as we finish another year, I want to thank you for watching. Please be sure to tune in next week when we offer our look ahead to 2022. For everybody here at PBS 12 and Colorado Inside Out, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Merry Christmas, and thank you for watching. Good night.